Welcome to the Ellis Martin Report. During this broadcast, you will learn of potential investment opportunities involving publicly traded companies. These companies have paid us for exposure on this program. We ask that before you consider any possible investment choice, do your own research. You can begin the research process by visiting our website, ellismartinreport.com. I'm Ellis Martin. Join me now for a conversation with Nicholas Kakos, the president and CEO of Blue Sky Uranium Corporation. Trading on the TSX Venture Exchange is BSK and in the U.S. is BKUCF. Blue Sky Uranium is one of Argentina's best positioned uranium and vanadium exploration companies with more than 4,500 square kilometers of prospective tenements. The company's mission is to deliver exceptional returns to shareholders by acquiring, exploring, and advancing towards production a portfolio of uranium and vanadium projects with an emphasis on near-surface deposits with the potential for near-term, low-cost production. Nico, welcome back to the program. And thank you for having me. Pleasure. What is happening with the company? I guess the last major, major event that we had was we announced the PEA, or Preliminary Economic Assessment, which basically highlighted the deposit that we have in southern Argentina so far of uranium vanadium ranks amongst the lowest cost-producing uranium mines in the world. So we've got something that if it were in production, could be making money today. And for me, that's a major, major achievement. Well, the reason why it's so inexpensive to produce is because it's close to surface and you have a good concentration of it, correct? That's right. It's within the first 25 meters of the ground from surface down to 25 meters. That's one thing that makes it so low cost. The second thing is we don't need to do any blasting. It's not embedded in in sort of hard rock. It's unconsolidated ground. And that's what our geologists say. What I call it is kind of like clumped up gravel. So the whole mining operation is like a gravel operation. And in the natural form that it appears in, it's called carnotite, we can extract with a very, very simple cost-effective and much-used process. The next stage that we're looking at right now is we know we've got something economic. We've got a package of projects that span an entire district, 145 kilometers in length. We're going to spend the next six months trying to find more of it. Is it your intention to develop the resource and then go into production or just develop the resource and have it taken out? No, we want to develop the resource. We want to get it to a critical mass. You know, this is economic that could go into production now. We feel fairly confident that we could grow this to become double or triple or whatever it might be. And it'll be even more economic at that point, potentially, right? Because the capex won't go up. As we get to that point, we have the expertise in-house to commence engineering studies and do feasibility studies. Once we're getting really close to production, at that point, there are some components that we don't have that kind of talent because we're exploration experts. We definitely would be looking to partner up with somebody or sell it to somebody for a nice premium, whatever would be in the best interest of the shareholders, of course. So a potential JV or a takeout, what's the timeline for everything you just discussed? Well, expanding the resource would be in the order of six to eight months engineering studies starting in the fourth quarter of this year and then that would probably take about a year year and a half if everything turns out positive construction and moving towards production could be the next two or three years what will you say to investors in what appears to be a flat resource market where uranium has seen some love in the last six months why should somebody get involved with a sector right now 
while it's basically sleep specifically uranium well the price of uranium in the last six months has sort of softened up but if you look back a little further the last year year and a half you'll see that uranium has had a nice uplift looking at the fundamentals of the use of uranium in the nuclear generator and electricity generating sector we're seeing more demand being built up we're seeing more nuclear reactors being constructed, not just in China, but also in countries like in Emirates and in African countries and other emerging markets. We're seeing the nuclear reactors being turned on again right now in Japan. And it's also becoming more acceptable. Nuclear energy is a form of electricity generation that doesn't generate a carbon footprint. It's a very green way of creating electricity. It's been tried and tested. So there's another acceptance of that. That's going to continue to drive it up. And then we're seeing a number of mines that are being turned off. Those are the mines that are uneconomic, that require 60 or above dollars per pound in order to be economic. This is the right time to get into it because you buy your straw hat basically in the fall when the demand is less and you make your money by selling it in the early summer. That's an analogy if I could provide. Do you think that Cameco and Denison, when they cut back on production, that affects companies like yours at all, all the way down to Argentina? It has an effect on the contract price of uranium because it limits the amount of available uranium for utilities to buy. I know that there's a number of utility contracts that are coming to expire in the next couple of years. And as those get renegotiated, that's going to have a very interesting effect on the price of uranium. But more specifically with Blue Sky, we know because it's in Argentina, and Argentina has its own three nuclear reactors and more that are in construction and in the planning phase, the country imports all its uranium from abroad and pays a premium for that. We are looking to position Blue Sky as the primary domestic source of uranium for Argentina that could be more competitive at world market prices. Why hasn't the government of Argentina and perhaps some mid-tier and majors in the area made a play for your company right now, taken you out for dinner, bought you some drinks, gotten you a little buzzed and said, um, we want your company? Well, we've got that already. It's too early. And while, you know, I feel like the bell of the ball makes us feel pretty, but it's too early in the game. I think there's a lot more value here that we can uncover with not too much money. And I think that shareholders are deserving of that value. We've had a long list of very dedicated investors that have put their money in at early times and have stuck through it. So I'd like to see a, a better payback at a slightly better time. The next few stages of advancing our project, as I outlined in the beginning of our talk, are not very expensive. We're talking in the order of three to five million dollars. I think we can fund that. And I think the value that we're going to add is going to be tremendous more. And then ultimately the return for shareholders is going to be that much higher as well. So are you funded already to take on a challenge like that? We're not going to fund it all, all at once. I think we're getting ready to do an initial small fundraise to kick off the program for expanding our resource. And I have no qualms that we're going to be able to raise the funds for that. We've got already a long list of interested investors that are willing to participate. I think in six months time, if we're having another conversation, I'm hoping it'll be about a much bigger and more economic project than what we have today. To review, you're going to be sourcing primarily to Argentina or will you outsource in Latin America or perhaps even China? Argentina is going to be our first customer. We'll be in a position, according to the PEA, we'll be generating more uranium than Argentina can buy. 
So we will be in a position to be exporting to other countries around the world. Even the U.S.? Absolutely. Nico, tell us about the share structure for those that are catching this company for the first time. Our share structure, we've got just over about 100 million shares out right now. Given what we have, I think that our market cap is still undervalued, but I think we've accomplished quite a bit and kept our share structure fairly intact. The ownership of these shares is what's really to point out, and that's about 65% of this company is owned by insiders and friends and family of management. So we've put our money where our mouth is. We believe in this project. We know that there's value here. We feel fairly confident we're going to expand the values. Management, basically our interests are aligned with those of shareholders and we're looking after a shareholder's best interests, and that's for sure. So there's certainly some trading going on with the stock. This is not a trader mentality that we like to employ on this program. And while everyone's looking away at who knows what, maybe cannabis, maybe having a great summer, maybe a sailboat ride or something like that, the smart investor potentially would take a look at a company like yours and get in now and just be patient. That's right. You buy this and then you can let us execute on a program. And by the time we get into feasibility study, two things could happen. Our deposit could get bigger and the uranium general market will have moved into its next phase, which would also give a big lift to all uranium stocks, in particular advanced stage companies like Blue Sky. Nico, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. I look forward to seeing you sometime in the near future. Thanks a lot for joining me today on the program. Great to be here, Alice. Thanks for having me. I've been speaking with Nicholas Kakos, the president and CEO of Blue Sky Uranium Corporation, trending on the TS. Venture Exchange as BSK and the U.S. as BKUCF. Find a link to their website on ours, ellismartreport.com. Thoughts, comments, criticisms, accolades, praise, admonishments, pats on the back, all welcomed. Email us at martinreports at gmail.com and tell us how you really feel. I'm Ellis Martin. Join me now for a conversation with Jordan Trimble, the president and CEO of Rock Ridge Resources trading as ROCK on the TSX Venture Exchange. Rockridge Resources is a new public mineral exploration company focused on the acquisition, exploration, and development of mineral resource properties in Canada, specifically copper and battery metal projects. The company's flagship project is the Knife Lake Project, located in Saskatchewan, which is ranked as one of the best mining jurisdictions in the world. Jordan, welcome back to the program. You have some fascinating results at the flagship Knife Lake Project, located in Saskatchewan. Why don't you tell us all about it? Quite a barn burner hole. It's the third hole in a 12-hole drill program. The headline reads 4.31 percent copper and 5.05 percent copper equivalent over 13.2 meters. Now that's within a broader 37.6 meter zone of just over 2 percent copper and 2.42 percent copper equivalent. It starts at 11.2 meters downhole. So very, very good numbers. One of the best holes drilled on this project at this deposit area. There's a historical resource there. To have those kinds of numbers come out this early in the program is quite exciting. There's now been five of the 12 holes reported on. You can see the other results in the news release. We announced three new ones. So the third, fourth, and fifth holes, and the first two holes that were previously reported. So very good. We're looking forward to obviously getting more results in. One of the more notable talking points with this high-grade drill result is that it's an expansion hole. So as I mentioned, the drill program was focused in on a historical deposit called the Knife Lake Deposit. We did a couple of confirmation drill holes as well as some 
expansion drill hole. So this hole being an expansion drill hole, it was drilled up dip of hole number two. So it's an area that had no previous historical assay results from, given that we've hit what appears to be one of the highest grade zones in the deposit area. In the deposit, we're certain that it'll have a positive impact on the resource. And uh, this program is giving us all the data and information that we need to put out a NI43-101 compliant resource estimate, which will follow shortly after this drill program, likely sometime in the summer. So it's another big milestone to look forward to for the company. So this could very well be a significant copper play in Saskatchewan. Oh, absolutely. It's a VMS polymetallic deposit. It's predominantly copper, as you'll see with the numbers, but there is also some zinc, cobalt, silver, and gold. We think there's a lot more to be found there. And just to go over the history of this project, it's a new property that we've acquired. It's our flagship project. We're earning 100% on it. We did a deal to acquire the project late last year. So this is the first drill program that we've carried out on the project. And in fact, it's actually the first meaningful exploration program carried out on the project in almost 20 years. And the mandate that we have with this company and a general strategy is going into historical mining districts, prolific mining districts like you have in the Flin Flon area in Saskatchewan and Manitoba. Saskatchewan's ranked number three in the world in terms of mining districts as ranked by the Fraser Institute. And we're going into these projects that have had historical work, a lot of work done previously, but not a lot of modern exploration. And what that allows us to do is go into these projects where we know there's mineralization, where there's historical deposits, and go in there with some new thinking some new exploration techniques and methodologies to test new ideas. And we think that that's going to be a recipe for success. We're already having success at Knife Lake going into a project that, like I said, hasn't had really any work in the last 20 years. And we're testing some new ideas and obviously we're getting some really, really good results. Well, this is certainly fantastic news, especially with copper and the potential new infrastructure bill in the United States where there will be a Big requirement for copper and zinc and most likely silver as well. What have you got going on for the next six months or so, Jordan? So we have a lot over the next six months to look forward to. As I mentioned, we've just reported five of the 12 holes drilled. We drilled just over a thousand meters. They're all relatively shallow. There's high grade in all five holes thus far. Again, the highlight hole being this third hole. So seven more holes to report. You'll see news out on that over the coming weeks as well. Following that, we are planning to put out an I-43-101 resource estimate. Again, like I said, there's a historical resource estimate. It's non-NI-43-101. So we're hoping we can upgrade that historical resource and come out with a positive NI-43-101 compliant resource. That's in the near term as well. And then following that, we have plans for a summer work program exploration that will consist of some modern geophysical surveys as well as some groundwork. And this is important because going forward on this project, we're going to be looking to make additional discoveries in and around the known Knife Lake deposit. It's a one-off VMS deposit near surface. It's a topographic high. That's how it was discovered back in the late 60s. But not a lot of regional work or drilling has been carried out. So that's what's really exciting for us is VMS deposits typically are not found in isolation. They usually occur in clusters. And what's even more exciting is that we know from the mineralogy, the metal ratios in the deposit, that this is likely not the primary source of mineralization. It's come from a primary source. So looking for that source 
of mineralization is something that we're going to be looking at going forward. We're going to be testing for that. And the summer program will further refine targets both at depth below the current deposit as well as regionally for us to go drill test later on. And this is a very sizable land package that you picked up from Eagle Plains Resources. Correct. It's just over 85,000 hectares, so it really is a regional play. We're just northwest of Flin Flon, and there's power lines just south of the property. Just to kind of cover a few important talking points about the Flin Flon mining camp, it's a well-known camp. There's been production from various VMS deposits well over 100 years now, so a very strong mining history, very, very impressive grades, size of VMS deposits that have been found there. And more recently, you've seen a couple of larger companies coming into the area, uh, starting with Glencore partnering up with a company called Foran south of us at the McElvina Bay deposit. They're advancing that through a feasibility study right now. And then more recently, you've had a new discovery announced by Hut Bay, a multi-billion dollar company that's been in the area really since day one. They've discovered a new high-grade zinc copper zone right beside their producing Lalor mine, so that's exciting. And then last but not least, you have a company called Rock Cliff, not to be confused with Rock Ridge, that's raised $30 million from a private equity group out of London called Greenstone to go and develop a handful of VMS deposits that they have east of us in Manitoba. They're doing what's called a hub and spoke strategy as they have a lease on a mill called the Bucko Mill. And so similar to what we're looking at at Knife Lake, they have high grade VMS polymetallic deposits, and now they have the funding to go in and develop it. So you have some big money that's coming into the area. It's reinvigorating the area. And I think the results that we've put out today will catch a lot of people's attention going forward. Jordan, tell us about the share structure. Yeah, so it's got a very good share structure. There's about 25 and a half million shares issued and outstanding. The public float, obviously a lot smaller than that. Management and insiders own a big chunk of stock. There's a couple of smaller funds that have taken positions as well in the company, which is good to see some institutional interest at such an early stage. As you may recall, we did the IPO just over a year ago, so it's a relatively new company. Part of what we're doing is building an audience around this. And again, I think this news and additional news releases will help do that, but very well structured, fully funded, and a lot of near-term catalysts. I've been speaking with Jordan Trimble, the president and CEO of Rockridge Resources, trading as ROCK on the TSX Venture Exchange. For more information on Rockridge Resources, go to the company's website, rockridgeresourcesltd.com. I'm Ellis Martin. Subscribe to the Ellis Martin Newsletter. It's free. Go to ellismartinreport.com and fill out the quick and easy pop-up form. Join me for a conversation with Chris Taylor, the president and CEO of Great Bear Resources, trading as GBR in the TSX Venture Exchange and as GTBDF in the U.S. In 2015, Great Bear entered an agreement to acquire the Dixie Mining Claims in Ontario's prolific Red Lake Gold Mining District, where Great Bear is now earning a 100% interest in 49 mining claims. In November 2016, Great Bear nearly doubled its position in the Red Lake Mining District, with its acquisition of the West Matson Gold Project, an on-strike extension of Pure Gold's high-grade Matson project. Between the two projects and recent land acquisitions, Great Bear now has an agreement in place to control 13,000 hectares of respective greenstone belts. Recent drill results in the hinge zone include as high as 1,602.73 grams per ton of gold. Chris, you have some great results at the Dixie Limb Zone. Why don't you tell us all about it? 
we actually figured out recently that there were additional high-grade concentrations within the Dixie Limb, which is something we're very excited about because the Dixie Limb, it's the original gold discovery on our Dixie property, the Dixie Lake property, uh, and it's a very big target. There's over 100 drill holes into it across about 600 meters. It looks like it's wide open to depth, and the discovery of predictable and that's the key word, predictable, high-grade gold mineralization within it really upgrades the target. It means that going forward, we think we have the ability, and we've shown that with the drill rig now, to predictably find high-grade gold within this. And that means it's effectively opening up the Dixie Limb as a very attractive source of high-grade gold mineralization on the property. You had some great results with the Hen Zone earlier, and of course, you've stepped things out. Where's this end, if it does? We don't actually know how to answer that question yet. Every time we step out further, we keep getting more gold. And for instance, the last news release that we put out on the Hinge Zone, which is the discovery we made last summer, the very high-grade vein swarm effectively, which is several hundred meters of strike length, it looks like now. We stepped out 150 meters, and then we stepped out 400 meters from the area that we'd already drilled, and we kept getting more high-grade gold vein. And that's very exciting because in terms of widths and grades in the Hinge Zone, it's very similar to the original high-grade zone discovery that made Rob McEwen famous in the Red Lake camp with Goldcorp and helped turn Goldcorp from a company about our size to a multi-billion dollar entity. I don't yet know where the limits of these systems are. The more drilling we do, the more we keep finding additional gold mineralization. And while this is not too far from the surface, it's quite possible that there's significant mineralization down deep, correct? Yeah, that's correct. This area is very well known for having deep-seated gold mineralization. For instance, at the main Red Lake Gold Mine operated by Gold Corp and now uh, Newmont, the gold mineralization continues all the way till well over a mile, mile and a half at depth, all the way from surface. So the discovery of high-grade gold at our project at surface, that's really the bonus is that it probably has very significant depth potential. You mentioned Rob McEwen. He's an investor in this because of his beliefs in the area. He's our largest shareholder. When he saw the drill results that we issued last August, he immediately invested about $6 million, most of that personal money, because again, in sort of his words, I mean, he's seen this kind of story play out before, and it's obviously made him some very successful investments. And of course, the market has reacted positively to the story, hasn't it? Correct. You know, at the beginning of last year, 2018, I believe Great Bear had something on the order of about a $10 million market cap. Right now, we have about $100 million market cap. And that's based on the ever-growing scope of the gold mineralized zones that we're drilling off at Dixie. The market has certainly reacted positively to those discoveries. All right. Now, take us through what you think might be happening during the summer. Effectively, this summer, we're going to be drilling very aggressively. We announced a couple of weeks ago that we're expanding our drill program from 30,000 meters to 60,000 meters, and that literally translates to hundreds of drill holes. 2019 for us, you know, we're already drilling. This is not a program where you just drill in the summertime. This is a program where you drill all year round. So what that means is probably more gold results are going to originate from Great Bear than just about any other mining company of our size anywhere in the world in 2019. So uh, it should be very active and we should be able to continue to build on the story and build on the momentum of the discovery that we made a few months ago. 
Now you have enough money in the bank to take care of all this drilling? Yeah, that's a great point. Is on a cash basis, we have about $12 million Canadian in the bank. And we have additionally owned by management and Rob McEwen nearly $8 million of additional money of in for, that could come in from in the money warrants. So collectively about $20 million on hand or immediately available. And what that means is that on a per meter drill cost of about $170, the current program that we're completing, we will still have at the end of this calendar year projected about $5 million in cash and another nearly $8 million of potential warrant money. That's another full calendar year of aggressive drilling, potentially another 60,000 meters or so. So literally hundreds of drill holes, we have the cash on hand to complete them without the requirement to go back and do more financing. I think it's a great formula for generating shareholder value. That's fantastic. So we don't have to see any dilution in the near future anyway. Yeah, we'd like to keep our share structure as tight as possible on a fully diluted basis, you know, factoring in every option we've ever issued, every warrant we've ever issued, and every share we've ever issued. We only have 48 million shares issued and outstanding. So it's a much tighter share structure than virtually all of our peers in the industry that have our market capitalization. But it's very early days still for the company. And what we look for is the ability to benefit our shareholders and keep that structure very tight. It could translate to something, you know, in our view, if we achieve valuations that are similar to other successful discoveries in the area, it would translate to share values that are many multiples above where we're currently sitting in the market right now. That's the goal, and that's the focus that we have for our investors. Now, I know you're on the road in California. What are you doing here? We're requested to come down and meet with some of the largest school funds in the area. So we've been having those meetings today, tomorrow, and a little bit on Thursday as well. So we've become active on the radar screen of many of the different sort of large institutional groups globally. And certainly we're on the radar screens as well of many of the active mining companies in the world as well. The results that we've generated are very unusually strong and the gold does go right to surface. So it's the sort of thing that opens up doors and requests for meetings with all kinds of different groups. So no matter what you want to say about the mining sector these days, if you have a real story, if you've got the goods, no problem in the market, hypothetically, correct? Well, I don't think the market is used to having real discoveries come along very often. And I do agree with you to some extent. I know that the market can produce a tide that floats all boats, but when the tide is going out, it's only the really the boats that don't have any holes in the hull that are really floating their best. Or I guess another expression would be, I guess a famous investor once said, when the tide goes out, you get to see who's swimming without any swimsuit. <laughs> so uh, I think we're in that kind of market right now. It's really, you have to deliver the goods. And you know we're fortunate that Great Bear does have a steady stream of good results, and we have a growing gold system. That's not typical case with new discoveries. It's such a small fraction of new discoveries that lead to mining projects. Ultimately, we think that we have a very good chance of producing one of those. And we encourage anybody that agrees with that statement or is interested in it to keep track of our news flow and watch our results as the story continues to grow. Well, Chris, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for joining me today on the program. Happy hunting to you. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll keep everybody tuned with a fresh set of new results as soon as possible. I've been speaking with Chris Taylor, the president and CEO of Great Bear Resources, trading as GBR on the TSX Venture Exchange and as GTBDF in the U.S. Find the Great Bear logo on our website, ellismartinreport.com, and click through to their website for more information. I'm Ellis Martin. Would you like to be one of the first to see who we are following? Subscribe to our audio newsletter. It's free, ellismartinreport.com. 
I'm Ellis Martin. Join me for a conversation with Maximilian Solly, the CEO of Barion Mining Corporation. The company trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol BARI. Barion is a new junior exploration company focused on acquiring proven gold assets in the United States. Barion has two projects, a highly prospective Carlin-type bolo asset located near Tonpa, Nevada, and the silver and gold sleeper asset in southwestern New Mexico. Max, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me. If you don't mind, give us an overview of your company. So we have two assets. Our main asset, which is called Bolo, is located in Nevada, about 90 kilometers northeast of Tonopah. It's Carlin-type mineralization, mineralization from surface. We've had some phenomenal drill programs in the past that have had some phenomenal grades. Currently, we're doing some geophysics on the project, and we hope to begin an aggressive drill program about 1,800 meters in the start of June. Now, this is a fairly new company. In fact, you just started trading. Yes, sir. April 29th was our first day of trading. This is a new company. Tell us how it was put together. So I started burying about a year ago with Brad Telfer. We went through the whole IPO process, raised about $2.75 million at the IPO at 20 cents. We put together some phenomenal assets, a great board, some great shareholders, and we just came trading to the market. And we look forward to an aggressive film program. You know, these are assets that have had proven numbers in the past. And so what we're doing is we're going back to these assets, doing some modern geophysics, which has never been done on either of the assets. Bolo is a phenomenal example. It's Carlin type from surface. So after we do the geophysics, we're going to create the drill program based on that and start drilling and hopefully have some more phenomenal numbers to add to this property. There's some excitement about the gold market right now, and you've picked a jurisdiction that is very safe and you can pretty much work throughout the year. Yeah, Nevada has always been one of the best places in the world to mine. It's safe. You know how long permitting takes. 5.5 million ounces of gold recently produced in Nevada last year. 225 million ounces of gold produced to date. 80% of the U.S.'s gold production comes from Nevada. So it's a very safe place for mining. Some great, great mines in Nevada that have produced 10, 20, 30, 40 million ounces of gold. So we're going into an area that we know is great, that is mining friendly, and like you said, accessible all year round. We're not cutting down forests. We're driving right up to the property and we're drilling those targets. And this is potentially a large play, is it not? You know, the nice thing about this property is it's all from service. So it's potentially open pit, deep leachable. Essentially, we have three zones at Bolo, and we're just trying to connect all three zones. So this drill program, we should try and connect two of them. And our 2020 drill program, will try and connect the third one. So there's a lot of potential on this project. And the nice thing about it, being from service, is it's not super expensive to get the drilling done. So for the best bang for your buck, we can prove up a fairly good-sized resource. And you have a very nice board. In fact, there's somebody I respect a great deal on the board. He's the president of Sky Harbor and also Rock Ridge Resources. That would be our friend Jordan Trimble. Yeah, so Jordan Trimble is, has been a friend of mine for a long time. I sat down with him probably May of last year, and I said, hey, listen, I'm thinking of doing something with Brad Telfer. I would really appreciate if you would want to participate with me. I think we could all work well together. I think the nice thing is we got a hardworking group of guys that are eager to go out and be successful in the industry. Jordan's had a lot of success, and it's just kind of, I put together a good group of people. Our PGO, Chris Raffle, his company, Apex, did all of Gold Standard Ventures work, and that's a $360 million market cap company in this market. So we got a good group of people. We have expertise, and we are focused to get stuff done quickly. And I think that was the nice thing about this board is we're all aggressive. We all want to work hard and we all want to get things done immediately. And you've been in the business about 10 years. So I've been in the business for about 10 years, managing some private family assets. 
I was recently the CEO of Defense Metals Corp, which I founded. I have been involved with another company called Advantage Lithium, which released one of the largest lithium resources out of the last junior lithium cycle. So lots of experience, and I'm glad I'm working with a good group of people that are knowledgeable in this sector, and I think the timing is right for gold. Now, I'm a former New Mexico resident. I lived there for 17 years. You have a project called the Sleeper Project. Yeah, so this project is an asset that we also got off of uh, Allegiant Gold. It's a formerly producing historical asset between 1890 and 1940 about 330,000 ounces of gold, 16 million ounces of silver. So the district had a lot of historical production and there's a lot of potential to go back in here and kind of prove up this asset again. And so what we're hoping with this asset is as long as the gold and silver price continue to rise, we've had some high-grade zones in this property. And the nice thing is we're doing some modern geophysics, still putting a data compilation together, try and get back into this project in 2020, spend a bit of money, fill a couple holes, and, and hopefully start awakening the sleeper. Speaking of 2020, what can we see for the company going out 12 months or so? So the first drill program... From now to the end of 2019, is about $500,000 U.S. The nice thing is we can accelerate spending at any time. So if things are going well, we can just keep drilling in through 2020. We're going to build up the advisory board. Potentially, we're always looking at acquiring other high-grade assets that would fit well in our company. But what you can see from Berrien is an aggressive drill program on Bolo. We'll start some work on the sleeper, build up our board, and hopefully be able to create lots of value for shareholders through the drill bit. What funds do you have available for that development? We have $2.9 million in cash in the bank as of the IPO. And Tell us about the share structure. So we have just over 40 million shares out fully diluted. There are 5.7 million shares in escrow, that is directors and founders, so that stock can't be touched. So the real float's about 34 million shares. We did about 2.75 million for the IPO at 20 cents, and we had a private seed round that was done in the summer, and there's about 20 million shares from that round. One thing to note is all of the investors in the five cent round had to participate in the IPO. So everyone has supported us and our company at the IPO, and we look forward to having good shareholders and being able to show people that having a good shareholder base and a good share structure really helps your company grow. Well, Max, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. I look forward to more news as we head into the summer. Thank you so much for joining me today in the program. Thank you very much, Ellis. I've been speaking with Maximilian Solly, CEO and Director of Barian Mining Corporation. The company trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol BARI. For the Ellis Martin Report, I'm Ellis Martin. I'm Ellis Martin. Join me for a conversation with Maximilian Solly, the CEO of Barian Mining Corporation. The company trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol BARI. Barian is a new junior exploration company focused on acquiring proven gold assets in the United States. Barian has two projects, a highly prospective Carlin-type bolo asset located near Tonpa, Nevada, and the silver and gold sleeper asset in southwestern New Mexico. Max, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me. If you don't mind, give us an overview of your company. So we have two assets. Our main asset, which is called Bolo, is located in Nevada, about 90 kilometers northeast of Tonopah. It's Carlin-type mineralization, mineralization from surface. We've had some phenomenal drill programs in the past that have had some phenomenal grades. Currently, we're doing some geophysics on the project, and we hope to begin an aggressive drill program about 1,800 meters in the start of June. Now, this is a fairly new company. In fact, you just started trading. Yes, sir. April 29th was our first day of trading. This is a new company. Tell us how it was put together. So I started burying about a year ago with Brad Telfer. We went through the whole IPO process, raised about $2.75 million at the IPO at 20 cents. We put together some phenomenal assets, a great board, some great shareholders, and we just came trading to the market. And we look forward to an aggressive film program. You know, these are assets that have had proven numbers in the past. And so what we're doing is we're going back to these assets, doing some modern geophysics, which has never been done on either of the assets. Bolo is a phenomenal example. It's Carlin-type 
mineralization from surface. So after we do the geophysics, we're going to create the drill program based on that and start drilling and hopefully have some more phenomenal numbers to add to this property. There's some excitement about the gold market right now, and you've picked a jurisdiction that is very safe and you can pretty much work throughout the year. Yeah, Nevada has always been one of the best places in the world to mine. It's safe. You know how long permitting takes. 5.5 million ounces of gold recently produced in Nevada last year. 225 million ounces of gold produced to date. 80% of the U.S.'s gold production comes from Nevada. So it's a very safe place for mining. Some great, great mines in Nevada that have produced 10, 20, 30, 40 million ounces of gold. So we're going into an area that we know is great, that is mining friendly, and like you said, accessible all year round. We're not cutting down forests. We're driving right up to the property and we're drilling those targets. And this is potentially a large play, is it not? You know, the nice thing about this property is it's all from service, so it's potentially open pit, keep leachable. Essentially, we have three zones at Bolo, and we're just trying to connect all three zones. So this drill program, we should try and connect two of them. Our 2020 drill program will try and connect the third one. So there's a lot of potential on this project. And the nice thing about it, being from service, is it's not super expensive to get the drilling done. So for the best bang for your buck, we can prove up a fairly good-sized resource. I've been speaking with Maximilian Solly, CEO and Director of Barion Mining Corporation. The company trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol BARI. For the Yellow Smart Report, I'm Ellis Martin. We'd like to get to know you. Yes, we would. Subscribe to our newsletter. Log on to ellismartinreport.com and the pop-up window will assist you in doing so. It's free. You've just heard opinion, commentary, and dissertation involving publicly traded companies seeking your potential investment. They paid us for the proof. Invest at your own risk and only after doing extensive research. Find our sponsors and listen to segments of this program again on our website, ellismartinreport.com.